Thanks to Hello Monday from LinkedIn for supporting Market Foolery. Hello Monday is a new podcast from LinkedIn's editorial team about how to get the most from Monday and your career. Find Hello Monday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Tuesday, March 26th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today. Abby Mallon in the house. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So, we're going to get to the stock of the day, which amazingly is Bed Bath and Beyond. We're going to get to McDonald's because I think what they've just done is pretty interesting. We should start though with Apple. We we ended yesterday's episode, uh, Jason and I sort of opining about Apple's event. Um, now there's uh, any number of stories out there. Um, for those who missed it, uh, I guess the headline is they came out, they unveiled sort of the Apple TV Plus, the arcade gaming. The Apple credit card. We're going to dig into this further on Motley Fool Money this week, but I'm curious, what's your main takeaway from their event? Yeah, I mean, I think the market in general was pretty underwhelmed, and I can't say that I differ so much, but I didn't necessarily have higher expectations. Um, I think Apple traditionally has been a hardware company, and we're really seeing them try to sort of pivot. So we're at this inflection point for them, and it's either going to be make or break as they start to look at more um, software. I mean, the good thing for them is that they do have an installed base of an estimated 1.4 billion active devices. So, if anyone should be able to do it, they have a pretty good head start. It's just um, sort of unproven right now. That's a key word. I mean, because there, there was a. I think there were a lot of things, and I agree with you. By the way, it's just sort of the reaction from analysts in general was. Pretty under, you know, it's just sort of like a, a, the analyst equivalent of a shoulder shrug. But right. I do think that there is a way in which this plays out that suddenly gets analysts on board. If you were playing a drinking game during this event yesterday and you unfortunately drew the card that said, take a drink every time Tim Cook says the word services, you were probably being rushed to the hospital about 30 minutes in, because he was really emphasizing the service side. And the thing is that, look, if they can get enough people to subscribe to, whether it's the news service that they have, whether it's the TV service, um, if it starts to meaningfully move the needle on the services revenue, then I think all of a sudden uh, people get converted to believers pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, the good news is that services was only about six and a half percent of total 2018 earnings or revenues, so um, it's still relatively small for them. It's just at such high numbers, just the law of large numbers in general works against them. So to move that needle is going to have to be um, pretty impactful, and I think. A lot of analysts were looking for information on pricing, and so how, you know, how those were going to affect both top and bottom lines, and that just wasn't given yesterday. So I had mentioned on yesterday's episode that the thing I was going to be watching was: Are they going to bring out showrunners to talk about? We know they're going to spend money on content, but who's going to be producing it? And they brought out arguably two of the biggest names in entertainment: in Steven Spielberg and Oprah Winfrey, along with you know Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carell, and. I, I was thinking more about it this morning, and I just thought, and this seems weird to say because you can you can make a pretty good argument for Steven Spielberg being the most successful film director of the last forty years, just in terms of commercial success and artistic success. And yet, I couldn't help but think that 
people like Spielberg and Oprah Winfrey are aimed more at my generation and older. And I thought, well, what if instead they had Apple had struck a deal with someone like Jordan Peele, um, you know, a younger writer director who on the rise, on the rise, who is one of those people who like who who. Who is a fan of movies and is not curious about what is his next movie going to be in the wake of, you know, last year with Get Out and, you know, just recently this new movie Us. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's not to say it can't work, but I, for all of the attention that Spielberg and Oprah Winfrey got, I felt like it wouldn't surprise me if that ends up being sort of the weakest link of what they unveiled yesterday, and the credit card actually ends up moving the needle. I think the credit card has the most potential, but again, I, I almost think that's probably one of the most difficult competitive um, landscapes that they're trying to break into. And they did launch Apple Pay in 2014. I think you know they've had success there, but it's still sort of a trickle in. I don't think um, I don't know if it's as fast as everyone was anticipating it would be. And uh, I think Tim Cook gave the targets that he was looking for 70% of U.S. retailers and in 40 countries by the end of the year. So, again, large numbers, not necessarily humongous. Um, I think I just think it's going to be more challenging. Right. And I think the fact that Apple said, oh, and by the way, we're also going to produce a physical credit card, I think that speaks to your point. It's like, oh, yeah, because if Apple Pay were truly ubiquitous, they wouldn't we need wouldn't to do need that. We wouldn't need that, yeah. Let's move on to Bed Bath & Beyond. Shares are up more than 25% this morning. Three activist investor groups are gearing up to <laughs> replace the CEO and the entire 12-person board of directors. I should point out that these three activist investor groups collectively only own about 5% of the stock, but I don't know. It's it's enough to at least get some people scared. Yeah, I think it's worth noting though that um, Bed Bath and Beyond does have about a third of their stock was sold short previously, so a lot of that twenty five percent bump is probably short sellers getting squeezed and trying to jump out. So, um, but it's still interesting. I agree. I think it's. Uh, I like, uh, and I have. I don't own shares here, but I I like when um, whether it's a business leader of a company or activist investor groups. I like it when they take big swings, and it's you know, there's not many swings that are bigger than all of you need to go. Like, <laughs> like we, we don't like any of you. We don't like any of you. We don't like this the CEO who's been running this company since, since 2003. Right. So it's, it's like a pretty long tenure to say. Time's up. Well, and I think if the track record for Bed Bath and Beyond were better, then yeah. it might be like ah, we're you know because typically the move is we're looking for some seats on the board. Right. We're, no, in this case, we're looking for all of the seats. Yeah, I mean, also I thought it was interesting. You know, they mentioned that they're looking to align executive compensation with performance, and that is something we, as the Motley Fool, do look at and value a lot. And so, um, I appreciate that from a shareholder perspective. I think that's very. Um, an admirable goal. Also, and I've said this before on the show, that I, I do think that there's underlying value to Bed Bath & Beyond. I, I think it has not been well run, and certainly, um, bricks-and-mortar retail has had a, a rough go of it. And so, But they're, they're selling stuff that everybody needs, so it's not like they're selling this esoteric, weird stuff, or, or for that matter, that they're 
in a business that is large purchases that are made once every 10 years, once every 20 years. Right. It's like, no, this, this is stuff that everybody needs. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. They talk a lot, or in the goals, these activists mentioned a lot about how they saw missed opportunities with customers buying more online, and sort of Bed Bath and Beyond's been late to that game and definitely delayed in terms of um, user experience and things like that. And then also, just costs have crept up, so you have overcluttering the stores. The stores are a less appealing place to go online. They haven't really had that option at the degree that, say, Amazon has. So, um, I just think it's a competitive space. Well, and I think back to, what was it, 2012, 2013, when uh, Best Buy was struggling, another bricks-and-mortar retailer. Um, Hubert Jolie comes in as CEO, and uh, he and his executive team turned that business around, in part because um, they invested in online. They remodeled the locations, made them uh, just a much better in-store experience. And uh, the last time I went to a Bed Bath and Beyond, yeah, they're and I don't get claustrophobic, but they're a little claustrophobic in there. Yeah, they could do with a makeover. Yeah, and the activists also want to sell up some of their underperforming assets, so Bye Bye Baby and Cost Plus World Market. They want to sort of spin those off and unlock value there, which I think is another. Um, Commendable strategy. I don't necessarily see those in line with what Bed Bath and Beyond is really aiming to do. A quick shout out to Hello Monday, a new podcast from LinkedIn. Look, Sunday nights, we've all been there. It's Sunday night, and you start getting the Sunday night blues because maybe Sunday scaries. The Sunday scaries. Yeah, you're not. Maybe you're not wild about your job. But what if Monday became something you could actually look forward to? Hello Monday is a podcast that examines work, how to change it, how to like it, and possibly even how to love it. Each week, host Jesse Hempel sits down with featured guests to investigate the role that work plays in our lives. I really like what Jesse is doing with this show. I got a chance to talk with her uh, on the phone before it launched and got to hear how she's approaching these interviews. And um, It's good stuff. So, check it out when you get a chance. You can find Hello Monday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. McDonald's has made its largest acquisition in 20 years. McDonald's is spending $300 million to buy Dynamic Yield, which is a tech company that is apparently going to help McDonald's personalize the digital menus, help with mobile ordering. This seems like a smart move if they can make it work, because one of the things you and I talk about whenever we're talking about this space, um, in addition to mobile ordering and delivery, is just how important throughput is when it comes to restaurants. Um, I don't know. It's McDonald's. They're huge. They've got the money. It seems like kind of a no-brainer that they made this move. It is huge. I just. Um... I mean, the the goal is really interesting. So, like you mentioned, they want to have these interactive menus that can change based on time of day, weather, traffic conditions, um, other current trends. But I think actually the most uh, promising opportunity that they're looking at is doing sort of predictive menus. So, um, if you add like a bacon, egg, and cheese, you probably want a coffee. Um, so that kind of of course, right? Obviously, <laughs> we all want more coffee. Exactly, especially you. <laughs> um, but I think you know you've seen that a lot in the online space. So I think it's interesting to bring it sort of to this fast food where people are all about convenience and it's all about like those almost those impulse purchases. So similar to like how you have the candy right under the registers at like a CVS. I actually think this is pretty smart. My only question is, I'm not really sure why the acquisition was necessary. Like, I almost just wonder why they didn't just um, 
hire them as like a consulting third-party service. I don't know why the acquisition is my thought. It's a great question. Um, it is possible that uh, they were so blown away by dynamic yield that they basically said, "Look, we we need to make this move. We need to make it sooner rather than later, and we want to be your only customer. And one way to get that done is well, just to buy." They're buy allowing you. it to operate as a third party still, so they'll oh, still okay. have other clients other than McDonald's. So I think. I read that they work with Forever 21. They work with Fendi. So they have some huge. What is Fendi? The fashion luxury good retailer. Oh, okay. Um, so they have some huge names. It's just, I don't know what the incentive to bring it in house, especially for McDonald's, which, again, we don't really see them do a ton of acquisitions. So I'm, I'm wondering what this long term um, vision or strategy is here. But I mean, for I mean, everyone's saying it's very large, but for McDonald's, it's a $142 billion company. $300 million is really not that large relative to their size. So, um, not criticizing necessarily, just a little curious. So, I, I think similar to what we talked about with Apple and the subscriptions, I mean, you know, sometimes a company makes an announcement and it's hard for us to envision how we're going to determine whether this announcement is going to pay off. And sometimes that's because a company is going to play things close to the vest. In the case of Apple, clearly we're going to see what happens to the services revenue number and if that goes right, up. Right. Um, same thing with this. I mean, I think if if they roll this out, if by the end of the year throughput starts increasing at McDonald's, I, I rarely go to McDonald's, but the last couple of times I've gone in, I've attempted to use their digital menus, and I will say that the user experience is not great. Mm-hmm. And so, if the, and I know I'm not the only one, because if everything was great with their digital menus, they wouldn't be making this move. Right, right. So um, I think that you know, obviously, there's the anecdotal evidence, but then we'll actually see what happens with the throughput. Yeah. Um, it is interesting to to see how different companies um, try to. Make things easy for people to order, particularly restaurants. How they sort of offer up um, their mobile ordering experience. Um, we've got the Panera right across the street from the office, and at least once a week I'll use that. And they recently revamped their online ordering experience, and I have to say it's not it's not an improvement. It might be an improvement for them on the back end, but just as a user experience, it's it's not quite as intuitive as it was before. So I don't know. Like you've talked before about using whether whether it's Grubhub or just just different ordering experiences. Like, are there ones that you just are there ones that are so bad that you just go, you know what? Uh, I'm interested in that food, but I just don't have the mental energy to navigate their system, or or maybe you just use them less often. I mean, I think in the case of fast food. So, if you think about like McDonald's use cases, at least for me as someone who doesn't really eat fast food, like this is about speed. It's about convenience. So, um, I mean, if you see more orders per period of time, or average order value increases significantly, because maybe you wouldn't have ordered the coffee, but now it's there suggested, and you're like, yeah, throw it in. Um, I mean, I think that can be really powerful. And those at such low order values and such low Item values, it it can actually be really impactful in very um, subtle use cases. So I I think that McDonald's is making the right move, um, 
And I think we haven't seen a lot of fast food on the low end in store experience be upgraded in this way. So, in some ways, again, they're leading innovation here, which I commend as well. So, well, and we've certainly seen fast food restaurants commit X amount of millions of dollars towards store remodeling. Right. And so, you know, in that sense, if McDonald's came out and said, hey, we're going to dedicate $300 million to remodel. Some of our locations, they're not going to be able to do all their locations with that amount of money. But this is something that can have an impact for every one of them. Right. I mean, 2019 targets include about a billion dollars to upgrade 2,000 U.S. locations, so they are doing that as well. I think it's just about bringing McDonald's into this sort of next phase. Abby Mallon, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.